go. Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all of its resources for free. If you've been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. Then, Father, Lord, we give you praise, we give you glory, we give you honor. We thank you for bringing us together this morning safely on this Christmas morning, Father, Lord. Um, God, we seek to uh, see Jesus lifted up high. Um, and we just praise you. We thank you for salvation, salvation in our heart, Father, Lord. Um, we, we just, there's so many people today who are going through things. There's a lot of busyness or whatever, but there's still hard stuff that's happening in people's lives, Father, Lord. Um, we pray for them. We pray for um, we pray for our church and the work you've called us to do in this community. Um, and uh, God, we 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 as we are here today celebrating and focusing on Jesus, we're also hoping to um, be able to be a light to so many other people as well in the community of Brentwood. Um, but we need that light shining in our own lives um, um, and whatnot. So God, I pray that you fill us up this morning in a new way. Um, do something better than any, any message I could ever muster up, Father Lord, but do something beyond us. Inhabit our praise, inhabit our time together. Be with us, Father Lord. Word says that you are Emmanuel, God with us, Father Lord. So you are with us this morning, and we praise you, and we thank you for that. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Luke 2 says this. It says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when... Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee and from the town of Nazareth to Judea, Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And when they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to a firstborn son and wrapped him in swallowing clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring to you good news, a great joy of the Lord. Christmas to uh, 
you know, celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, right? And um, and we read this story all the time, and every year, just as a pastor, I'm always trying to get around the narrative and the hustle and bustle of Christmas, and I'm like, God, how do we truly focus our eyes? How do we make this a special Christmas, right? The uh, National Crime Victimization Survey says that robberies and larceny goes up by 20% every single Christmas, right? That theft just increases during Christmas, you know. There's a lot of people leaving their gifts inside of the car or whatever and everything else. And so, you know, people out to try to come up, right? So there's a lot of loss that happens. Um, but one of the greatest losses that happens is that we end up missing what the holiday is actually about, right? And what I don't want to happen is for us to get robbed of that opportunity this morning to look at Jesus, right? So that's what we're going to do. Um, the great philosopher, Patrick Swayze, once said, nobody puts baby in the corner. Nobody puts baby Jesus in the corner. Y'all feel me? Y'all young people don't know nothing about it. Y'all don't know about Swayze and Roadhouse and all of that, but I'm going to just tell I'm going to leave it there, right? But he did say that, right? Two scriptures I want us to look at this morning out of what we just read. So me verse 10 11. There's some things that were said here that I really want us to focus on today. It's going to be verse 14, and then we're going to be dancing with 10 and 11. Verse 10 and 11 says, And the angel said to them, Fear not. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Verse 11 says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You know, when I read this or whatever, sometimes I try to read it with these with with the kind of eyes that doesn't know this already, right? Like if I was somebody and 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 I was on the other side of hearing this message, I would say, "Man, like, what is what is he what is he talking about? Why do they care about the Savior? Why is it even a big deal, right? Like, why do people come together and gather around this day and sit inside a church or whatever and this and that? Like, I know about Santa Claus and everything, whatever. I sat on this lap, lip, you know, his lap before, or whatever, and all these different things. I'm like." There's gifts, there's the tree, there's all of this stuff. What does it actually mean? And then when you read the scripture, I'm like, that's beautiful also. And it's an amazing story. And it's an amazing account of the birth of Jesus. But apparently this thing means something to these shepherds that went and followed this star, right? It meant something, right? If we go into the story a little bit deeper, you hear about Herod. That the, the, the shepherds, they, they stopped and they went to go see the king at that time. And he's like, listen, go find out about this baby's birth and come back and report to me. Because I want to go worship him too. Why are you going to worship this baby? Why is Herod lying and he's really scheming on this baby? What's so significant about his birth for us today and for them all these thousands of years ago, right? If I'm not a believer, if I ain't come up in the church at home, I'm wondering what's really, really going on. Why do they call him the Savior? Saving us from what? You where I'm coming from? What's he coming for? In John 1, John says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's what he says as Jesus walks up. I love that, right? Because Jesus is his cousin, right? But he's way more than his cousin to him. Luke 18 says, This is Jesus talking. This is him talking about what he came to do. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to release the oppressed. 
That's what he proclaims. This is amazing news. If I saw myself as poor, if I saw myself as a prisoner in need of freedom, it's amazing news if I felt like I couldn't see well and I was blind and I needed my sight recovered. If I feel like I'm oppressed, right? Then it would be good news. Wouldn't you agree? Hebrews 2, 7, 17 says this. It says, for this reason, it's talking about Jesus. He had to be made like his brothers in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. And that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Amazing news. If I feel like I have sins that need to be atoned for. Right? Yeah. Good news. When I start reading that, and I'm reading this with eyes or whatever that don't quite understand all of this or whatever, and I'm reading this right here, it starts to make sense to me. I'm like, oh yeah. If I'm a prisoner, if I feel in prison, if I feel like I just can't see things clearly, if I feel oppressed and weighed down by the weightiness of life and everything, I'm following the star too. Where's he at? You know where I'm coming from? Because we're not just talking about a king coming. We're talking about a kingdom coming. That's what they were going to see. They're like, these are, these are people, the people who would celebrate this, that would count this as good news and not just some news, not just tradition, not just another person, but the people that would take this and count, count it as good news, they identify as being oppressed in this world. They see it clearly, right? They were longing for hope, for freedom, for their eyes to be open. So Jesus, this news is Jesus is not just another baby being born. That's always a beautiful thing. But like, this is the Messiah. Y'all with me so far? I'm going to take us on a journey that we went on just recently or whatever. We're going to do it again. And throughout this year, I'm just telling you, we're going to do it probably a lot because I think it's really, really important. It's an exercise, and I need crowd participation. If you were at church a couple weeks ago, then you did this already. But we're going to do it this morning so we just don't forget. Y'all ready? It's 1 John 2.15. It says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not of them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Who was present when, we, when I preached this a couple weeks ago? I think I've quoted this scripture every single day since we went through it. Because it just opens your eyes, right? It just puts an exclamation point on things, right? So we're going to do the exercise that goes with it. I need y'all to participate. Verse 16, it says, for everything in the world. So verse 15 tells us, do not love anything in the world in the world, and it says, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. And it uses these three things, which we use as a lens for defining the world. But it, but it, but when you turn this lens on yourself, it does a beautiful thing because it puts you in the previous text we we're in. You start to realize your own oppression. You start to understand the heaviness of the world, how it affects you personally, how it affects the world around you, and it makes the idea of a savior. Who comes to save the world more glorious to you? That's what I want to, that's what I want to happen today. 
right? So lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, these are things that we crave for, that we desire, right? And the pride of life is our boast when we have what we want, right? It's the boast that we walk in. It's the, it's the elitism we might begin to function in because we have, right? So let's talk about systems in the world really quick. Name some systems that come to your mind that you can think of that are broken because of these three things. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Just systems. Anything you can think of. Shout it out. What's that? Justice. Justice, yes indeed. Court system is an ugly thing. Politics. What? what? Politics. Come on, let the Lord use you. There you go. <laughs> Super ugly. Marriages, right? The lust of our flesh, betrayal. Healthcare. Commerce. Commerce. Capitalism. Who said school? Yes. Education system. We can keep going on. Hold on, what's that? Environment. Environment. The world suffers. Romans 8 says the earth literally groans, right? It's waiting for God to do something to it. Like, it can't take us living on it, right? Elitism, classism, racism, all of our isms, sexism, right? There you go. M music with no meaning. Based on the pride of life, right? Straight up. So let's take it and look at it from a personal standpoint. I want you to personalize this when you think through it. How's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life affect you? Right? When you think about your anxiety, when you think about what stresses you, when you think about what angers you, when you think about what you crave to have that you don't have, or the way you move and you groove when you do have it, right? I remember when I was younger, I was telling a young man this the other day. Remember when I was younger or whatever, I used to just be like, you know, me and Lana, we'd be struggling sometimes or whatever and stuff, and you know, Miss Harris, you know, she would let us borrow a van sometimes, this time when we didn't always have a car. You know, her transmission was holding on for dear life. So, you know, we're trying to make that baby do what it does. I remember me and Lana were going to Vegas, and we had to drive somewhere to catch a flight. And the wind, and the windshield wipers would work on the car, and the Lana's out the, I'm on the highway trying to catch a flight. She's out the window in the front. Like, you know, I'm like, hey, don't fall. I got a leg. Don't fall out, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, we have been through some things. And you know what? God would come through. And he would bless us just like with money out of nowhere. And now I get cute and I forget them. <laughs> you should just beg God, fix the problem. Fix the problem. Lord, fix the problem. Then he overfixed the problem. And then I'll be like, oh, I got another problem. Pride of life. Give me a new car and I'm hanging out the window. I done got too cute for myself. You get where I'm coming from? I'm like, God, I'm, I'm sick. Rich, poor, no matter what you do, I got a problem. It's an internal problem. Proud of life. One side I'm dealing with the lust of the flesh what I'm dying to have, and then I have it, and then I'm too cute for myself for it. You get where I'm coming from? Anybody know about stuff like that? Stressing. Stressing. 
I stress over services half the time or whatever because I feel like, oh, we're supposed to have a show together, Jay. This isn't a show. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not supposed to, that's, it's not true. The verse 17 of the text says, the world and the desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God forever. The will of God is for us to be sitting here talking about his son, Jesus. It doesn't have to be manicured. It doesn't have to be played for. It doesn't have to be a show. It's not what it is. It's people who believe in the gospel gathering to talk about Jesus Christ and come together as a family. It's not even a service. It's a gathering. It's a family gathering. But did everybody take the time to grab that a little bit personally? I promise you, if you wake up and you start using these lenses, matter of fact, take it with you everywhere you go. It'll make you stop running around so much. You'll be ready to get up and you'll work through it like, why am I going here? Like, to make somebody else happy, to go sit around and look cute somewhere or whatever, all kind of reasons. Oh, because I'm having to please all of these people, but I'm injuring myself in the process. You realize our idols run us crazy. And if you notice the systems that are so obvious for us to look at and, and point to that are broken, the same lenses are the ones that expose us also. It's all in the same. You get where I'm coming from? Sometimes we're throwing rocks or whatever, but the same thing is propelling our evil, right? I just wanted you to see that. If you see it, then you can digest this text a little bit different. You can understand why Jesus is great news. If he's come to set the captives free. Right? Been saved for over 20 years. I remember when I had my first son, I was in the hospital. And I was so drunk and high that they didn't want to give me my son. And I wasn't a believer. But I was sitting there and I was always mad and bitter at my father or whatever for not being there. And I used to always wonder how he ended up the way he did, right? God, how does he ever have kids in his life? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you're a kid, you get baffled by it. Like, what is that about? Then I had this epiphany in that moment when I'm in the hospital, wobbling. And I can feel the disgust through my intoxication. I'm so ashamed in the moment. And it just hit me. This is how your father got there. It looked like this. This is the path. I started praying a different prayer. I was always mad at my father. I started saying, God, save us. Come save us. We lost. Blind. Just like this text says, blind. Lord, I'm a prisoner, like, I am a slave to the drugs. Please come get me. I'm in prison. I can't escape it. I want to be right, but I can't seem to make it over the hill. Come get me. The world is having its way. Even when I want to do what's right, I can't even focus to do it. It just grabs me like it has a chain on me, pulls me, and now I'm knee deep in the wrong mess again. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I'm just saying, for us to appreciate this day to day, we have to remember what it is, right? We have to understand the good news. It's not good news unless you can understand why he showed up, why this baby is so significant. 
I read an article the other day, some of y'all might have saw this, about an old lady named Martha Minifield, 82 years old. She got arrested this month for having a $77.80 trash bill that was late. So on camera, I couldn't believe it. I had to go look it up different places. She reminded me of my grandmother, and they literally went in there and they handcuffed her. They handcuffed her. This is her quote. She, when they interviewed her, she said, I'm just, I'm just happy my grandkids weren't here to see that. That would have upset them. I was so ashamed, and it's been bothering me. I saw that, and it just made me weep. And I was just like, this is what we're doing this Christmas? Nobody on the force or whatever to pull together $77? This is the world we live in? This is what it is? I just want you to lean on it. I just want you to grab it. When he says, if you love the world, love of the Father is not in you. He means for us to be sober about what the world is. What happened to Miss Martha? That's what the world does. What Jesus was coming to do is bring the kingdom. When we read this text or whatever, in verse 14, it says, of Luke 2, it says, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. He's coming to bring a kingdom. And this kingdom is reigned by peace. Because in this kingdom, the lust of the flesh, the lust of our eyes, and the pride of life don't torture us and run us in a frenzy and crazy. It puts us in a place or whatever where all the attacks of the world, they just kind of drop from around us. We're still in the world, but not of the world. But we're patiently waiting for a king who's going to perfect every single thing. It says that he's going to take up this earth like a, like he's going to take up this world and pull it up like a blanket, and he's going to bring down a kingdom from heaven. That's the promise of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the promise. So when he, when he shows up all these years and, and the word is out because it has been prophesied, there is a king that is coming and he's finally arrived. It's not just semantics and phraseology and all that. It's people who are actually with their eyes open. They feel the oppression. They live under the hand of oppressors. They are impressed in themselves. They can see the systems out there, how broken and ugly and what it does inside of the world, but they can also see it inside of themselves. It's not just like a, Lord, deal with the devil and his work out there. So, Lord, deal with the devil inside of me. Deal with the mess that's inside of me, right? The Bible says that our flesh is desperately wicked. It's desperately wicked. It's what it is. It's desperately wicked. But it says the spirit. So when Jesus comes, brings the Holy Spirit. And he puts inside of it and inside of us and he lives inside of us. And it wages a war. This is what Paul was saying. He said, Paul said, I want to do right, but wrong is over here, whatever all is knocking at the door. And then wrong when it's here, then right is here. Says, wretched man that I am, who's going to deliver me? If you can say that statement and understand it, then you understand how significant the birth of Jesus Christ is all years ago. You understand? He's the answer to the end of the statement. He's the answer to Paul's question. He's the answer to all of our questions. Wretched man that I am. 
Remember, it starts with a confession before it starts with a question. Right? It's a look in the mirror first. It's a hard look. This is Paul the Apostle who penned the majority of the New Testament. Right? Our American way is that we too cool for school. So hard for us to get over the heel of our own self-righteousness. It's been cultured into us. It's been cultured into us. And it's anti the gospel. It's not the gospel. Got flesh on us, just like everybody in this whole world. Got flesh on us. And that flesh is what it is. It desires what it wants. And God is not its priority. It's the power of God that's given to us by the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the birth that we come here to celebrate today. Can somebody say an amen up in here? Y'all got to say something. Oh, there you go. There you go. So in verse 10 he says, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. When we read this, we have to stop and we have to really grab on to what good news is. Right? I don't mean to make the, you know what I'm saying, the snow melt too early or whatever, you know what I'm saying, on the Christmas day, but like I just want us to really be able to taste for real what the good news is. But, you know, good news ain't really good news unless you got some bad news. You get where I'm coming from? Unless you're just waiting around on some news or whatever. The bad news is this right here, but let me sit and not call it bad news. The true news is, the true news is this right here. Miss Martha is just a, one story out of a million ugly, grievous stories. That just what is what our world is, right? Right? What's true right now is there's somebody who's at the gas station sleeping in the closet right now. Literally. Because they're freezing. Right? What's true is that even when you want to do what's right and go help somebody, and you see somebody's headed to a certain destruction of where they're going, what's true is that we're so broken that some people won't even let you help them. Right? what the world is. When we stop getting high on everything that we consume and entertain us, when we stop for a minute, if we pull ourselves out of maybe some of the privilege we're allowed and we look towards what's really, really happening around us, it gets really, really ugly. And we're not even touching the surface. We're extremely naive. Right? But I don't mean for us to wallow in that. That's not what I'm trying to make us do here. I'm not trying to make us pull pull us down and not be able to have joy. What I'm saying is, Jesus is the true reason for joy. He is truly the reason why we rejoice. He's the true reason for hope. There ain't nothing else to talk about today but, but Jesus Christ. You understand where I'm coming from? There's nothing else to talk about. Right? If you know what it is to not have it, and then you know what it is to have it, I'm not talking about go to church, do all of the different traditions that go with church people and church culture and everything else. I'm talking about when you beat on your chest and you go, wretched man that I am. Who is going to come and get me, right? I was talking to a brother the other day. He said, um, he said, Jay, he said, man, like, what do you do when you, uh, um, there's actually another pastor. But he always, he always like, his 
Say, well, you know, when you struggle and you have a season where you just like kind of just gets dark for you and it's hard and you're struggling and you just, you know, you got to leave the church but you don't feel God or whatever. It's like, what do you what do, you do during that season? And I, um, and it's funny, I asked him a question and he actually had literally had this situation happen. But I said, brother, I said, um, so you ever like been to a party before or whatever? And, um, and then some uh, like, and you got stuck there, you know what I'm saying? And he said, he said, yeah, I, I had to ask. He said, you know, back in the day, you know how you get your father to drop you off or whatever, but you don't want nobody to see you get dropped off. He said, I had my father drop me off at the party around the corner. Who's did that before? You know what I'm saying? Or whatever, you know what I'm saying? He's like, he dropped me around the corner. I can't see you. God, I think I pulled up or something, whatever. You know, I'm only 14 or whatever, but still. Um, but he's like, I got dropped around the corner. I go in the party and said, this crazy fight breaks out. And, you know, my pops was already leery of me going to the party. And he was just like, but I had to call said, Dad, I need you to come get me. So, you know, I had to leave the party by myself. I kind of strained it. I couldn't go back with the guys. They got into some stuff or whatever, right? And so what I was telling them, I said, you know, sometimes you just have to tell Jesus you're stranded and to come get you. Come get me. He's like, Jay, what do you do? I said, bro, sometimes I'll just be like, yo, God, come get me. I'm frustrated or whatever the case may be or whatever, but I just need you to come get, come get me. Lord, I need a savior. I need a savior. I don't even know how to work it. I don't know how to manifest all the muscles to try to be good and get it together right now. I need you to save me. Because the Bible says that we are saved by grace and not by works. Right? This Christmas is for the people who can't work hard enough. Look, if you think you can work, if you think you, that you can pull it together, if you if you are just righteous and you got it together, what do you need baby Jesus for? What do you need Jesus to be born for? What do you need Jesus dying on the cross for? Right? But if you like the thief on the cross hanging next to him, and you like, I know exactly why I'm hanging up here. I we deserve to be up here. But Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, have mercy on me. If, 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 if this work that God has sent you to do is so glorious that it can save a wretch and a guilty thief on the cross, Lord, lay it on me. Lay it on me. So when we come together, to, together today, this is what we come together to celebrate. When you go to your houses today, what I want you to do, I want you to think about Jesus, goodness, his, the good news of the gospel. The good news. The text says, Savior. It says, for unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He is the Messiah. You understand what I'm saying? It's not just a story. It's not just a story. But don't, don't, don't forget why it's good news. Don't forget why there's joy. Don't render him down to just a tradition. He is the monument of the day that we celebrate. He is the, the point. You get where I'm coming from? I'm going to begin to end with this right here. And then we're going to take communion. On 14, glory to God in the highest. On, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When he's 
when he's pleased with you. He opens your eyes to see the truth. He opens your eyes to see the truth. He doesn't coddle you. He doesn't whisper sweet nothings into your ear. He gives you the truth. The hard part. And the glorious part. He gives a glorious promise for his son Jesus. He says, no eye has seen. No ear has heard what I have for you. We can't even comprehend it. There is nothing that we give up on this earth that we will ever miss in eternity. You're not going to be sitting around like that. I spent my life serving and loving other people and doing good works or whatever. And, and, but everybody was popping bottles, partying, and I missed it all. I know some of y'all, I know how to pop bottles too. But anyway, I didn't talk about that this morning. But anyway, but you get where I'm coming from. It's giving us everything. And we don't even comprehend what everything is. This is why the news is so good. I'm trying to keep cool in front of y'all. I have men walk around the whole room. That's how good it is. It's crazy. This flesh lets us not be able to grasp it fully, right? It hates this message that's preached. It's, it hates the truth of the gospel to be proclaimed. You grab a hold of it, you will experience so much warfare in your life. But it's still to no avail because God has already won. He's already defeated the enemy through Jesus Christ. That is why this verb is why we come together. It's why we celebrate. You understand? It's why we celebrate. And God gives us this beautiful thing where we're able to redeem holidays. I don't care what Christmas is about. I don't care what people think it's about. I know what it's about. The Bible says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So I don't know who started Christmas or what it was all about, but I have 50 million things on, on, on the internet. But as for this house, as for our house as the people of God, we use Christmas to serve the Lord, to glorify his son, Jesus Christ, to celebrate his birth, right? To celebrate that he's actually opened our eyes, to celebrate that he's actually loosened up the, the, the chains that the enemy looks to have us in. He's opened up the grave that we once found ourselves in, dead in our trespasses, now made alive through Jesus Christ. Not because of what we do, but because of what Jesus Christ did. So church, that's why I bring us together today.